The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. Good evening and hello again, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Sports Talk New York on WGBB here in Merritt, Long Island, New York. Bill Donahue here. This is the 21st day of January 2024. Our engineer Brian Graves is with us as always on a cold, wintry night here in Merrick. Sorry, i got to catch my breath. The, the pizzeria next door was closing, and I had to get down there in time. I'm back with you guys now. We have a warm and fine night of sports talk ahead for you this evening. Up first, we welcome in a great college ball player, also a great pro. Tremendous career at Providence. Led to a promising career in the NBA. Member of the College Basketball Hall of Fame. And was NBA Rookie of the Year in 74. His book is called Star with a Broken Heart. We will talk to Ernie DiGregorio tonight on Sports Talk New York. Also in the second half, the lax men cometh as we welcome in Rich Lisk of the New York Riptide, who beat the Buffalo Bandits on Friday night. So sit back, relax, catch your breath, get a blanket, get comfortable. Enjoy Sports Talk New York tonight on GBB. We've got some great people, some great stories ahead. As always, social media. I invite you to follow me on social media. My page is called The Talk of New York Sports. There you'll find sports information, show information, so much more. It's uh, pretty good. So stop by, take a look. You can also follow us on X at Sports Talk New York. You can follow me on X at B. Donahue WGBB. And if you miss a show... Don't worry about it, because they're all out on the website. Catch up anytime. Well, our first guest, he played his college ball at Providence, a member of the College Basketball Hall of Fame, drafted third overall by the Buffalo Braves in 1973. He went on to win the NBA Rookie of the Year that season. His book, Drawing Ray of Reviews, titled Star with a Broken Heart, it's the untold story of Dave Gavitt, Marvin Barnes and Ernie DiGregorio, their battles on and off the court. Welcome back to Sports Talk New York. Ernie DiGregorio. Ernie, good evening. Good evening, Bill. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you aboard, Ernie. Uh, the, the book's doing great. I just want to mention, I uh, was doing my research. I saw a photo of you at Providence going to the hoop against the Minutemen of UMass. Now, I saw what looked like a familiar face coming up from behind, number 22 on UMass. Is that who I think it is? The good doctor, Julius Irving. Yeah, that was it was unbelievable when we played him. We beat him 73-72. It was my sophomore year. I had 33 points. The doctor had 19 Oh but man, he was amazing. He could jump. He, he was so talented that uh, I think he went right from that year right to the pros. So he was uh, very special in college too. 
Well, b- believe it or not, Ernie, it wasn't the doctor I was talking about. It looked like Ricky Patino. Patino. Yeah. yeah it was, you're right. It was Patino. Yeah. Patino was on UMass, yeah. But also my sophomore year, Julie Serving played. We played yeah. Julie Serving in Alumni Hall. And I he, guess Patino was on that team, too. Yeah. He, he, he was a coach at uh, Gus Alfieri's basketball camp down here on Long Island, Ernie. Uh, we had the doctor, Roly Massimino, Lou Carnesecca, uh, Ricky, wow. Rich, Richie Patino, they called him back, there, back then, was a, uh, a coach, a student coach at the camp. Wow. And who knew he'd go on to a Hall of Fame career, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he had a great career, and he's doing a heck of a job. He lost a tough game the other night. Yeah, they got him by one point, right? He got beat by uh, who beat St. Jones? I don't know. Marquette. Oh, that's right. The Warriors. Yeah, that's true. All right. Yeah, he he he. Uh, I hope he has a resurgence there at St. Jones. They really deserve oh, he it will. over there. He definitely will. He he can. Uh, he knows talent, and also uh, he's a great coach. Now, Ernie, who were your heroes when you were a youngster? Uh, Jerry West for the Lakers, I really admired, you know, the way he could score and play. Oscar Robinson, uh, you know, those two guards probably the most because they were really publicized at the professional level. We didn't see many pro games on television, but everybody knew who played basketball, who Oscar Robinson and Jerry West were. Yeah, two immortals, that's for sure. Now, you played on a championship championship team in high school, Ernie. Yeah, I played at a Class B division, but we were very fortunate to win the Class B championship in 1968. And then from there, I went to St. Thomas More Prep School in Colchester, Connecticut for a year. Uh-huh. And then after that, I went to Providence College. At Providence College, yeah. The Friars now, seventy-three NCAA tournament. Providence went to the Final Four. Now, Dave Gavitt was the coach. What was the difference with Dave Gavitt leading that that ball club? Well, he was different. You know, he he had no ego, and uh, he let us freelance. Uh, right before my senior year, he called me in the office. He said, "Ernie, I want you to know we're going to go as far as you can take us." And he allowed me to handle the ball and. Uh, create and run the break and do everything that I could do, you know, with instinct where uh, we didn't come down and run plays. We just ran the break, and we had a phenomenal rebounder in Marvin Bonds right. who averaged 19 rebounds a game. And uh, he was pitching to me, and Kevin Stakem, who played like six years in the pros, mm-hmm. Boston drafted him. He would run, so we had a great chemistry. Now, you lost to Memphis State in that tournament. Uh, what, did it have anything to do with the loss of, of your buddy Marvin Barnes? Oh, yeah. We were ahead by 16 points. Yeah. And then Marvin went up for a rebound and stepped on Larry Robinson's foot, and he jammed his knee. Mm. And he couldn't really bend his knee, so he couldn't rebound. In fact, they took him out. They tried to put him back in. He couldn't run, and they had to take him out, so... You know, we could not run our break, but uh, consequently, when they shot offensively, they would uh, miss a shot and get a rebound and miss another one and get a rebound. So they just dominated us on the backboards. Yeah. 
So, so that really hurt. Yeah. Now, why did you and Marvin work so well, Ernie? Uh, the, the chemistry between you guys. Describe that a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, both Marvin and I had the same goal. Back then in the 70s, they didn't have ESPN, so there weren't a million games on television, basketball games. And the only way you could get recognized and get your team on TV was have a winning record. So we had to really, you know, concentrate on winning games so we could get that exposure. And both him and I had the same goal, which was to be drafted, you know, high in the NBA draft and play professional basketball. Mm -hmm. So we had that bond, but it, you know, created more than that. We became very close friends and both our families were close and, uh, used to come over my house on Sundays and eat. You know, macaroni and meatballs. My mother used to cook. And gravy. And I'd go over here and gravy, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we had a bond, you know, right until the day he died. You know, we yeah. were very close. Well, we'll talk more about Marvin and Dave as we, we discuss the book. I just I want to ask you about uh, the college all-star team that you played on. Bill Walton was on the team. You beat uh, a good Soviet Union team in an exhibition game. It kind of healed... The, the wound from the, the loss we suffered in 72. Talk a little bit about uh, playing the Soviet Union, Ernie. Yeah, like after my senior year, uh, Coach Gavin and I flew to New York to sit with Larry Fleischer, who became my lawyer, and Larry was brilliant. He started the NBA Players Association, graduated Harvard at 19, and he represented players. So he represented me, and when the season was over, I get a call from him, and he says to me, Ernie, uh, Bob Cousy's going to coach a six-game series, the USA versus Russia, and they want to know if you want to play. Yeah. And I asked him, I, I said, Larry, what do you think? <laughs> he says, I think if you play well, it'll be do you good in the draft. I said, all right, count me in. And uh, I, I went and played yeah. What was their style like during that series, Ernie? They're very physical, big and strong, you know, very mechanical. You know, they didn't really play like the Europeans play now where they shot it. They would just, you know, play with brute strength on every position. So it was a physical team. In the first game we had, we went to L.A. and practiced for a week before we played our first game in San Diego and uh, Walton uh, played with us, and he was phenomenal. I mean, I could throw the ball up to the top of the square, and he'd jump up and catch it and dunk it like a Nerf ball. He was so, <laughs> you know, so talented. He was, he was the best player in the world at that point, you know, in college. And uh, But the Russians would go after his knees, and after that first game, he he had it. He actually hurt his knee during that game, and uh, that was it with him. So, uh, you know, they won, I think, two games, and we won four games. But one of the games was played in Madison Square Garden, and that was a special game because it was nationally televised, and Marvin and I played real well, and uh, it was a great time for both of us in Providence College. Right. 
Excellent. What a great story, Ernie. Ernie DiGregorio is with us tonight on Sports Talk New York. Now, you were also drafted by the Kentucky Colonels in the ABA, Ernie, but you chose the NBA instead. Many guys opt for the other way, to go to the ABA to play. What made you choose the NBA? Well, because, you know, because I was short Mm -hmm. and, you know, I played at Class B in high school, you know, and uh, when I played at Providence, I was always questioned, you know, I wasn't that good. And it always stuck in my mind that I wanted to play against Jerry West and Oscar Robinson, Earl Monroe, Nate Archibald, Calvin Murphy, the greatest players in the world were in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And even though the ABA offered me more money, the uh, NBA was where I, I wanted to play, and I signed with the Buffalo Braves, right. who are now the Los Angeles Clippers. Right, for those kids who may not know and may not have ever heard of the Buffalo Braves. I had, had a couple of good guys up there, Ernie. And I want to ask you, your, your rookie year, you averaged 152 you led the league in free throw percentage and assists per game. Uh, you still hold the record uh, for assists in a single game with 25 for a rookie. What made everything click in your rookie season, Ernie? Well, you know, we had a great general manager. Buffalo's general manager was Eddie Donovan, who was the GM for the Knicks. Right. And Buffalo signed him, and he had a feel for the game. He really uh, put together a team that made sense to run the break. In other words, McAdoo was a great scorer and he could re- a great rebounder. Randy Smith had unbelievable speed, and Eddie traded Elmore Smith for Jim McMillan, who was the perfect small forward for a running team. In fact, the year that the Lakers won 33 games in a row with Chamberlain and West, Jimmy McMillan was on that team. So uh, the chemistry that they built was absolutely geared for someone like me whose greatest asset was to pass the ball because I had, you know, Garfield Hurd, Jimmy McMillan, McAdoo and Randy Smith, and all those guys could score like crazy, mm-hmm. and it made my job really easy. All I had to do was, you know, hit the open man, and that was the best part of my game. Randy Smith, the Long Island guy, folks. Google him. You'll see Randy Smith. Also, uh, Buff State. Yeah, uh, he, was he was from a Buffalo. time All-American. Yeah. He's track basketball and soccer. He was a phenomenal athlete. I think it was University of Buffalo, Ernie. I don't think it was Buff State. I'm not sure. No, it was Buff State. Was it? Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure. All right. Now, your your free throw ability, uh, great. Did you practice? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I practiced 100 free throws a day and keep a chart and go home and write, write it down when I start off at 78, 79. And I'd get it so, you know, I could make 97, 98 out of 100. In fact, one day I did a basketball camp at Providence College for Coach Gavitt, and I made 146 in a row. So (laughs) I had, you know, the confidence when I got to the line, I really knew there was a good chance I was going to make them. 
and I think for my career, I ended up being a uh, 90% free throw shooter. So when you know you can make nine out of ten, you know, you're confident. Sure. Definitely, yeah. Now, the guys we spoke about, Kareem, Maravich, Irving, McAdoo, Havlicek, all guys that you played with and against, did and anybody, any of these names in the NBA gave you fits, Ernie? You know who used to give me the biggest fits, believe it or not, Bill? Who's that? Is the little guys, Nate Archibald, <laughs> Calvin Murphy. They were so damn quick. Yeah. You know, Archibald, that one year I got into the league, he led the league in scoring and assists the same the same year. So it might have been the year before I got there, but he was like a bullet when he came at you. He'd come straight at you, and you wouldn't know if he was going to go right, left, and he'd stop on a dime. And Calvin Murphy was like one, two, three dribbles, and he'd be up in the air, and he had this unbelievable jump shot. I mean, I think he averaged like 35 in college. So yeah, both those guys were Unbelievable. Player. I think he was five nine, Calvin, and he yeah. he folks was a Niagara Purple Eagle for all the Purple Eagles that listening out there. Uh, there's a shout out to Niagara. Now yeah. you, you join. I'm sorry, and you go ahead. No, I was just saying he was. Those guys were unbelievable. Then I used to play against Earl Monroe in Madison Square Garden. Oh boy, he was phenomenal. You know, he was a great, great player. Jerry West of the Lakers, Oscar Robinson of the Bucks. I mean, there were some great, great guards in the NBA then. You, you had a line of uh, Spalding basketballs, I remember, Ernie. Uh, a couple of guys had them. Signature Ernie D uh, basketball. Do any of those ever show up uh, for you to sign? And any guys ever bring those around? No, but I got one. Oh, okay. you know, I, yeah. I got one from a long time ago. Yeah. A Spalding Ernie D basketball. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll have that to was, check that eBay. That was my first endorsement. Yeah, I'll have to check eBay when I get home, Ernie. Now, uh, you, your time with the Lakers and the Celtics, what, what do you remember about that? And any good memories of, the, of being in the Lakers and the Celtics? Well, you know, I got a chance, you know, to play in L.A., uh, with Kareem, who had that unbelievable skyhook. Right. And so that was that was special. And with Boston, I had a chance to give John Havlicek his last basket. I, I made the assist, and, and that was Havlicek's last basket. In fact, his last game, you know, was televised, and he couldn't hit the broad side of a bomb door, and they put me in. And I remember telling my buddy Bob Ryan, a reporter, that watch when I go in, I'm going to throw the ball to Havlicek every time. He said, you can't do that. I said, well, <laughs> watch, I'll show you. And every time I got it, I looked for Havlicek. And, you know, he got hot and turned it right around. And I think he ended up with, like, uh, 27 points. And I got a basketball where he signed, and he says on the basketball, one more pass to an ED. Yeah. And, so he was special. Nice. I got to play with Collins and Avlicek. So those three guys, Jabbar, they were unique to play with great players like that. There's a great trivia question, folks. Who assisted on Hondo Havlicek's final basket in the NBA? And now we know that it's Ernie DiGregorio who's with us tonight on Sports Talk New York. Now the book, Ernie, the book is called Star with a Broken Heart. 
It's actually the paperback version of your 2020 memoirs. Uh, it's reading real good. We, we heard today, even from John O'Hurley, who's Jay Peterman on Seinfeld, that he enjoyed the book. So, uh, things, things are looking good. Where did you get the title? You know, um, believe it or not, I, I, I met a friend of mine who's a writer, a doctor, and, um, he was telling me about a story that he read about when Ted Williams was, you know, right at the end of his life, and he was living in Florida. Right. And he said that these teammates in Boston, Johnny Pesky, Bobby Dore, and a couple of other them, decided that they were going to all jump in the car and go spend the last days of Ted's life with him. And I thought about it, you know, and I said, you know, Marvin and Dave were so special to me and we were so close, not only during when we played, but also, you know, 50 years later, right. we were still close and we still would go out to dinners and we still talk to each other every other day. And so I uh, was driving to Buffalo one day, which I go up a lot, and uh, I was by myself. And I was just talking to myself and singing. And I just came up with the title, A Star Would Have Broken Heart. Mm -hmm. So it just came to me naturally. And I picked up the phone and I called my daughter, who was an English major, who went to Providence College. And she, you know, had been helping me with the book. And I asked her what she thought. And she thought it was perfect. And then I have a dear friend of mine who is the founder of TJ Maxx. I called him up in Florida and asked him what he thought, and he thought it was great, and that was the title of the book. That's how I came up with it, Bill. That is a great story, Ernie, and, and I agree with you 100%. It, it is a great title for a book for a guy who lost two of the great friends of his life, uh, two great influences, two great friends, and uh, nothing better than that. Now, your book is called The Untold Stories of These Providence Immortals, Ernie. Without giving away the farm, uh, giving away in, uh, too much in the book, can you give an example to us, something that we may not have known before? Yeah, Marvin um, tries to go through a airport in Detroit with a firearm. Oh, boy. And he he was put on probation when he was in college when he got in a fight with this guy, Larry Converse, one of my teammates and his teammates. So they, they he pleaded guilty, and they put him on probation. So when he went through the airport with the gun, you know, he got sentenced to go to jail when the season was over in Detroit. And then when he came home, he went to the ACI in, in Rhode Island, and I get a call from him, and he says, prisoners want you to come and bring Kevin Stakem to play basketball with us in the, in the yard. Mm -hmm. And I said, Marvin, I says, as long as you can guarantee me, I'll come out of there alive. <laughs> and he said, don't worry, I got your back. So we go in there and we play this game, and the first thing Marvin says is I got Ernie D. You can have Stakem. 
<laughs> and so Marvin and I really kicked their behinds. And Kevin's shooting, but he can't make anything. He's cold as ice. So Marvin says, let's run it back. And so we play another game, and now the prisoners on Kevin's side are getting really upset with him, telling him to pass the ball, you know, you're a ball hog. Yeah. And make a long story short, when the game was over, Kevin says, look, I just came here to have some fun and be with Marvin. Let's get the hell out of here before something happens. <laughs> so we ran out of there faster than when we played in the game because they were not happy prisoners. <laughs> no, I can imagine, Ernie. Yeah, I would have got the heck <laughs> out of there, too. Now, before we go, Ernie, I just want to ask, how does Ernie DiGregorio want to be remembered? How do I want to be remembered? Um, as a basketball player? As a, as a basketball player, as a man, I know uh, you do a lot of work. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I would say, that's a good question. I would say just someone who, you know, loved their family and uh, took care of their family. And um, that's the most important thing to me, my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a, I had a terrific career playing basketball. And, um, you know, I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of good times. I had a lot of tough times, but overall, I achieved some exactly what I set out to, which was to be a professional. And when I became Rookie of the Year, someone in North Providence, where I grew up, said to me, Ernie D., the only critics that remain, or the only skeptics that remain now are the true skeptics. So I accomplished what I wanted. You know, I got a beautiful family. I got seven grandkids, four daughters. Things have never been better, though. Outstanding, Ernie. Well, it's been a real pleasure and an honor to talk to you tonight, Ernie. Uh, we thank you for taking time out of your Sunday evening to spend some of it with us down here on Long Island. The book again, folks. Go get it. Great read. It's titled Star with a Broken Heart by Ernie DiGregorio. Ernie, thanks again. Thank you, Bill. I really appreciate it. That's Ernie D, folks. Up next on Sports Talk New York, we will welcome in Rich Lisk to talk about the great New York riptide. So stick around, folks. Listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. All right, folks, we are back with Sports Talk New York on WGBB. I just told Brian, we're like butter because we're on a roll here tonight. So thank you for stopping by, hanging with us on a cold Sunday night on Long Island. I just want to mention before we move ahead, uh, the 
Hall of Fame 24 ballot. Vote is coming up on this Tuesday night. Debuting on the ballot this year are Jose Batista, Beltre, Andre, Andre, uh, Adrian, excuse me, Adrian Beltre, who probably will waltz into Cooperstown. The great Bartolo Colon, Adrian Gonzalez, Matt Holiday, Victor Martinez, Joe Maurer, Brandon Phillips, Jose Reyes, James Shields, Chase, Chase Utley, and David Wright. Uh, last year, gaining a lot of steam. Todd Helton had 72.2%. It's his sixth year on the ballot. Billy Wagner, 68.1%. His ninth year on the ballot. And Andrew Jones of the dreaded Atlanta Braves, 58.1% in his seventh year. Coming up uh, behind that, Sheffield, Beltron, Aroid, Manny Ramirez, Vizquel, Andy Pettit, and uh, so forth. But those are the main candidates, folks. And again, MLB Network, this Tuesday evening, new Hall of Famers for the year of 2024. Check that out. Our next guest, he is the general manager of Long Island's indoor lacrosse team, the New York Riptide. They play their games just up the road at the Nassau Coliseum. I welcome to Sports Talk New York tonight, Rich Lisk. Rich, good evening. Hey, Bill. How are you, buddy? Thanks for having me on. We're doing well, Rich. We're doing well. Glad uh, you could be aboard tonight. Uh, the the guys won a, a good one on Friday night, huh? Ooh, that was a good one. That's yeah. a tough place to play. That's a that's an interesting place because they're you know they've been around twenty nine years. They average about sixteen seventeen thousand fans, and and that game that we played the other night is a special game. It's a, a Tucker Out lymphoma game. So wow. um, there was a player that they had years ago named Sean Williams, and, and Sean's son Tucker died of, uh, of lymphoma. And they started putting on this game to raise money and awareness, and it's grown and grown and grown and grown. And last year we had a chance to play in it, uh, and then this year they, we had a chance to play in it again. And, uh, and, and, and it was an exciting game for all of our players because it's so emotional. We wear special jerseys. Everything gets auctioned off. Uh, Sean Williams is now the head coach of the Las Vegas team. He was there with his family. Um, our guys took a picture with their team before the game. There's a lot of special moments of that game. So to win a game there with 17,000 people and during that time and what that game was all about is really, really special to us. Definitely. It sounds like a great night, Rich, for sure. Now, Jeff T. he's the star of the Riptide, he is on his way, really, to becoming uh, one of the best lacrosse players on the planet, and he he's got his own group called uh, Teats Warriors. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm a little biased. I'll say he is the the best player in the world. But <laughs> okay. here's a here's a gentleman. Here's a gentleman. He's in mid twenties, twenty five, twenty six years old, and he went to Cornell and graduated, and then stayed that extra COVID year so he could be with his teammates because. He's a very loyal person, and he wanted to finish what he started there. So we took him first in the draft. He comes out as a rookie. He plays in the outdoor league also, the PLL. So in the PLL, he um, he becomes rookie of the year in the PLL. And then in the NLL, he became rookie of the year. And people have to realize that, you know, our league's 37 years old, 36, 37 years old, and no rookie has ever scored 100 points. He came out and scored 100 points, and he missed two games for COVID and still scored 100 points, wins Rookie of the Year, comes back the next year, and the all-time scoring record is 136 points. 
137 points, I'm sorry, and he scored 136 the second year. Wow. So he is, uh, you know, it's never been done before in our league. And it's like having, you know, Connor McDavid or a young Wayne Gretzky. And, and I hate saying that, but I want people to understand the comparison because it is. But I also want to make sure that he's still a young man and he's still, um, what he does on the field is special, but what he does off the field is even more special. And, and, and the pressure that comes with that is a lot, but he handles himself so well. And then that brings us to these warriors is that Warrior Athletic Gear is one of Jeff's sponsors, and they're one of our sponsors. And we created this program called Cheats Warriors where Jeff brings 25 kids to a game every game, and uh, we give them goodie bags and we give them stuff from the Riptide. And then the best part is they get a chance to meet Jeff. Jeff gives them a talk about what it takes to be a professional lacrosse player, but more importantly, what it takes to be a good human being and go to school and get the education and do everything the right way. We get pictures with the kids and stuff, and they get an opportunity to have something that uh, is, is really special and it's made an impact. And, and, again, we've been doing this for two years, and he's touched a lot of kids' lives with this. What a special and, uh, guy. It's really exciting. Yeah, very special young man, Jeff Teat. Uh, it's worth it to get out there to the Coliseum, folks, and see this young man play with the Riptide. As we said, a great example to the kids and lacrosse, uh, really growing indoor and outdoor on Long Island. You can stop by any of these arenas locally and see the game being played. But Jeff Teat, remember that name, folks. Go see him at the Coliseum and Teat's Warriors. A great, a great project that's uh, coming to fruition with the Riptide. Now, Rich Lisk is with us from the Riptide tonight. I want to ask you, Rich, about the partnership, it sounds very exciting, with Sands New York. It was announced on January 18th. I have the press release. Tell us more about the partnership with Sands New York. Yeah, Sands New York, I mean, as everyone knows, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're involved with the Nassau Coliseum and taking it over and, and doing their plans. But I think what they, you know, with us, they've been looking at is to really get into the community. And that's where I like to to come in and, and do some things with everybody is that our guys fly in every weekend. Like, they're weekend warriors. They have regular jobs in other places, and then they play at the highest level they can at our league, and it is the highest level of lacrosse they can play. But people realize that they come in and go, and they'll come in on a Friday night and play on Saturday and leave on Sunday. So it's hard for us to really get these guys out into the marketplace to see them and get the kids to understand who they are. So tying in with the fans and their community efforts and things that they're doing allows us to give us the platform to do that more. Mm-hmm. And that's some of the things that we're going to do with those guys is that we're going to put on some clinics and we're going to put on some camps so our guys can get into the marketplace and, and really get a chance to spread the wealth of uh, box lacrosse across Long Island. And, and I'm proud to say that the fans stepped forward with us and, and created this partnership. And it, it also goes a little bit beyond that. There'll be some aspects in the, in the crowd that we do and some aspects with our team. But, you know, they're going to be donating tickets to, to, uh, to different organizations also to come out and see us. So it's an all-encompassing partnership. It's not just like a put up a sign and be one and done. Um, there's a lot of different aspects and tentacles of this partnership that's going to help us on the island and, and help them. Very, very interesting, Rich. Now, one partnership that I remember speaking about in the past with you 
is the Boomer Esiason Foundation. You guys have a yep. night for Boomer Esiason at the Coliseum. And one thing I do remember uh, is the great beer that was put yeah. out with the West Hampton Brewing Company and Boomer Esiason in, in, in conjunction. Tell us more about that initiative. You know, I've been in this business 30-plus years, and this is probably my favorite partnership. And when I say partnership, I truly mean it being a partnership. Um, we, we developed this relationship with West Hampton Beach Brewing Company, Brian Skip and his family and, and everyone that owns that organization, and we created this Riptide Double IPA together. And then on top of that, we started dealing with Boomer Esiason and, and raising money for cystic fibrosis. So the first year, we you know, we had the... The beer being poured at the arena, and we had it at the, at the at the brewery, and we raised some money for Boomer, and we wore jerseys and auctioned them off, and then we said, okay, this is going really well. What can we do next? So we really upped it, and we had Boomer and his organization help us design the jerseys that we wear, and then um, we we raised a lot of money. We raised over ten thousand dollars, and we were able to present Boomer with the check and and, and really get involved. But this is really a three way partnership that has really woven us into each of the fabrics where the brewery is doing their job out there on the, on the eastern part of Long Island, and we're taking care of Nassau County and all of our outreach, and then working through our publicist, Sammy Steinlight, and working directly with Boomer and Geo and, and the crew there with, uh, with, on WFAN, we're able to get that exposure too. And every year this is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and then Boomer came to the game last year, and sat there and met our players and went in the locker room and dropped the ball and, and stayed for the game and really enjoyed it. So it's really starting to take off. And those are the partnerships that I love to do because it gets us out of the arena and into the public, and it gets us giving back because we have to give back to this to this area that we're in, and I like to find partners that want to work with us on that. I just don't want to be the team that comes here, plays, and leaves. We want to, we want to leave our mark here. Right. That's a great partnership, folks, as Rich mentioned, between the Riptide, the Boomer Foundation, and the West Hampton Brewing Company. Uh, go to the website. You can find out more about that and what you can expect this year. Now, uh, I hear about a sneaker auction coming up at T <laughs> Tucker Out Lymphoma Night. Sounds like yeah. another great cause, Rich. Yeah, you, you notice a theme here with what we're doing. So we just played in this Tucker Outland Foma game in, in Buffalo. Right. And the, the family is the Williams family. So Sean Williams, the father, is the head coach of the Las Vegas Desert Dogs in our league. Mm -hmm. So this year, Las Vegas is coming here to play us. So we wanted to do our own Tucker Outland Foma game. And, you know, it's a special game for us, too, because our owner, Eric Baker's son, had lymphoma, Cam. And last year in Buffalo, when we played in the game, they honored Cam. Um, and then this year they honored Cam, too. And they have Cam's name on the jerseys and things. So we wanted to do something special and have our own Tucker Out lymphoma game. But I didn't want to take away from what Buffalo was doing. So to put our spin on it, we're playing the Las Vegas Desert Dogs, but our guys are going to kick out cancer under the guise of Tucker Out Lymphoma umbrella, but we're going to kick out cancer, and all our guys are going to wear special sneakers that they're going to design for, for people that have been affected by cancer in their lives or how they would like to fight cancer, and then we're going to auction those sneakers off, and all the money is going to go to the Tucker Out Lymphoma um, Foundation. 
That's so a beautiful it's another, night. It's another yeah. play on that for us. A wonderful night that should be, Rich. That's for sure. Rich Lisk from the Riptide is with us tonight. Now, one game sweeping the nation, Rich, is pickleball. And you guys yeah. are going to run a tournament out at the Coliseum. <laughs> we just we just did ours. Yeah, it was great. And, you know, we have this expo hall that's connected to the Coliseum. So we're right. trying to make the Riptide a community place. As you see from the last promotions I was just talking about, we give back to the community. But pickleball is sweeping the nation. So we said, you know what, why don't we put on our own pickleball tournament called Rip It? The, the Rip It Pickleball Tournament. So we put that out. We had over 300 people show up. They played all day, and we, we counted the king and queen of the Coliseum and Rip It Pickleball. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> and they all got tickets to the game and came and watched us play. It was, it was a really fun, it was a really fun, uh, a fun game to the point where our players are like, hey, next year we want to put a team in. So <laughs> yeah. um, there's another aspect to it. So that looks like an annual thing that's going to be happening, folks. The Pickleball Tournament run by the Riptide at the Coliseum. Watch for that in the future. And another tournament coming up is King of the Coliseum. That's coming up March 9th. Yeah, this is our third one. Third one we're doing, King of the Coliseum, where we have all the uh, local lacrosse teams come in and play. And uh, it's been exciting. It's grown every year. I think the first year we had – uh, four teams, and then we grew to like eight teams, and this year we're looking for 12 to 14 teams to come in, and they get a chance to play on the exact floor that our players play on, and then we crown the champions, and then we bring them out to the center of the field during the game and honor them, and T-shirts and medals and everything, and it's been a really good experience because these kids get a chance to play box lacrosse, box lacrosse rules, box lacrosse on the professional field. And uh, it, it's been exciting. And some of our players will be there coaching the teams, and we'll have some special referees and things. So um, we treat it like a real game. Outstanding. There's another event to look forward to, uh, another fine way that the Riptide are growing here on Long Island. Now, speaking of growth, Rich, uh, mm-hmm. in the National Lacrosse League, I had heard that the great one, Wayne Gretzky, is now an investor in the league. He is. He is. When wow. I first got into the league, we had nine teams. We're up to fifteen teams now, and the and one of the I think there was actually the fifteenth team is the Las Vegas Deggert Dogs, the game that we're having our, our our kickout lymphoma night. And Wayne is the owner of that team. It's Wayne Gretzky, Dennis Johnson, the golfer, Kevin Na- uh, um, um, Steve Nash, the basketball player, and Joe Sy. The four of them own that team together. And they've been doing some great things out there in Las Vegas. Sean Williams, their coach, has them playing really well. Um, they they do things where they give away Wayne Gretzky jerseys and they play at the MGM on, on the Las Vegas Strip. So it's been really exciting for us to expand west. And they've been great ambassadors. And Wayne has gone on record as saying that he played lacrosse just as much as he played hockey, and his lacrosse skills made him a better hockey player. And um, and that's what we try to teach, too, that box lacrosse will help you in hockey and field lacrosse to so learn those skills. So Wayne's been great with it with us. There you go, kids. Kids who play lacrosse, kids who play hockey. Cross over to one of the each other of each of those sports. It'll sharpen your skills and that's according to Wayne Gretzky and there's no higher authority I can think of than that. Anything I agree else? With you. If Wayne Gretzky yeah. says, if Wayne Gretzky says it's good for you, yeah. I'm gonna buy into that. Yeah. There <laughs> you go. Parents, there's more equipment to buy out there. <laughs> 
Exactly. Head to dicks and make them richer. Now, <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to bring to our attention about the great New York Riptide, Rich? You know, we finished up our season in April, and, um, and, and you know, we're playing well right now. We're, we're on a good streak here. And in April, we finish up the season with one of my favorite days. It's Orland and Cohen's Health and Wellness Day. And I, and I, and I, and I preach that one and I bring that one up because it's not just about lacrosse. It's about living a healthy lifestyle. It's about what sports can do for you. It's about what being on a team can do for you and the camaraderie. And I, I would be remiss not to talk about Orland and Cohen. Orland and Cohen was the very first partner we ever signed. And when I say that they are woven into the fabric of the Riptide, I truly, truly mean they're woven into the fabric of the Riptide. You know, Ray Nelson at Orland and Cohen and Dr. James Pacey, um, those two guys are, are basically part of our organization. And without them, we couldn't do what we do. They keep us healthy. They keep us on the field. And, and Ray and I work off the field together to really expand what we do with them. And we do a lot of different things with them and, and really get involved. And I gotta, I gotta really praise them for what they do on Long Island and how they take care of their patients and how they take care of their, their staff and what they do for us. And, and it's really exciting. I, I always like to sandwich the season between opening night and their game at the end because those are the two most important days really. And, and to have the bookends there, it really makes our season go. So I, I wanted to say thank you to Orland and Cohen for everything they do for us. And, and that'll be an exciting night too. So we got a few nights coming up here. We got four, five, six games that are are going to be really exciting with a lot of things going on. And I encourage everyone to come out and check us out. Tell the folks uh, the website they can go to, Rich, to find out more and to get details on these nights. www.newyorkriptide.com, and then follow us on all of our social channels. There you go, folks. You, there you have it, Rich Lisk. I thank you for taking time out of your Sunday night to spend it with us out here on the island. And uh, we wish you and the Riptide nothing but success. I thank Sammy for setting us up, and we look forward to talking to you in the future, Rich. Bill, it's always my pleasure. we got to get you out to a game. Maybe we'll get you in net. We'll have the guys throw some balls at you. Well, it's going to be tough to score when you get uh, me in front of the net, Rich. Uh, (laughs) 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 It's a wide load, brother. I appreciate all your support. Thank you so much. What are you, you so laughing much. about, Brian, back there? My engineer is laughing. But, oh, man. No respect at all, Rich. You know what Rodney used to say. Well, thanks uh, again, Rich. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. All the best. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Rich Lisk of the New York Riptide. Now, before we leave you, folks, I want to go over the Hall of Fame balloting once again. You know how important this is to me. I want to let you know again, debuting on the ballot in 2024, Joey Bats, Jose Batista. One guy, uh, definitely, probably, definitely, probably, definitely going into Cooperstown. The hallowed shrine this year will be Adrian Beltre. Bartolo Colon, don't think so. Adrian Gonzalez, Matt Holiday, Victor Martinez, Joe Maurer. Brandon Phillips, Jose Reyes, James Shields, the ugly Chase Ugly, and David Wright. I don't think any of those guys will garner much attention. As we had said in the past, guys who may be on the cusp and uh, need, need some watching out there. I've been looking at some of the ballots sent in by some of the writers, 
and uh, a lot of interesting names uh, brought up on quite a few ballots. Todd Helton of the Colorado Rockies, some great statistics. It's his sixth year on the ballot. He got 72.2% last year. He needs 75 for election. So watch Todd Helton this year. Billy Wagner, the same thing. It's his ninth year, Billy, on the the, uh, ballot. He got 68.1% last year. Bringing up the rest, Andrew Jones, 58.1. It's his seventh year. Sheffield, still fighting off the specter of PEDs, 55% in his 10th year. Carlos Beltran, who I think will eventually make it, 46.5% last year and only his second year on the ballot. A-Rod, 35.7%, third year. People really staying away from A-Rod because of the PED situation. Another guy... Uh, Manny Ramirez, PEDs, 32.2% last year in his eighth year on the ballot. Just want to update you in the third quarter, Buffalo Bills 27, Kansas City Chiefs 20, third quarter up in Buffalo in the tundra. Back to the list, Manny, we mentioned Omar Vizquel, great shortstop for the Cleveland Indians, 19.5%. Seventh year, he really doesn't uh, do well. I I really don't know why. Uh, he was a pretty good ball player. Now the Yankee fans are going to scream. Andy Pettit, seventeen percent last year on his sixth year. As I said, remember, folks, it takes seventy-five percent to gain election to Cooperstown. Bobby Abreu, Jimmy Rollins, Mark Burley. Uh, Francisco Rodriguez, Tory Hunter, all in the uh, low teens, single digits, and uh, they will not probably see election to Cooperstown. Maybe a Veterans Committee. That's a whole other situation, folks, which we'll talk about when that arises. As I said, uh, going into Coop- to Cooperstown this year uh, with the Veterans Committee was... I can't think of it now. Oh, gee. Nope, can't think of it. Uh, maybe somebody will text me and let me know uh, who it will be. Uh, not Scott Rowland. He went in last year, but I'll, I'll think of it. Uh, I think it's time to head out. We'll finish a little early, Brian, tonight. Uh That'll do it for me on Sports Talk New York this evening. I'd like to thank my guests once again, Ernie DiGregorio and Rich Lisk of the Riptide, my engineer Brian Graves, and you guys for joining us. Thank you. See you again on February 4th. Till then, be safe, be well. Bill Donahue wishing you a good evening, folks. The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.